We've got some really interesting research to dig into for this episode. Absolutely. I had a chance to talk to the analysts on the X-Force IRIS team about another advanced persistent threat group, ITG-16. What is that group known for? Well, I'll let Josh and Ryan get into the full details, but spoiler alert, ultimately ITG-16 is a North Korean government state-sponsored threat group. This is the Security Intelligence Podcast, where we discuss cybersecurity industry analysis, tips, and success stories. I'm Pam Cobb. And I'm David Moulton. Let's dive in and take a closer look at this threat group. Well, welcome to the podcast. Can you all take a minute to introduce yourselves to our audience? Josh, let's start with you. Sure. Uh, hi, my name is Joshua Chung, and I'm a strategic cyber intel analyst from TIPT team here within IBM Iris, where we look at strategic cyber threats at various enterprise and industries. Um, I generally focused on advanced persistent threats or APT groups from East Asian regions looking at strategic pictures and then the threats those groups pose. And my name's Ryan Castillo. I'm an analyst on the Threat Hunt and Discovery team within IBM X-Force Iris. My role is to investigate and analyze cyber threat activity and then provide direct or tactical intelligence support to our incident response investigations. I also conduct threat intelligence research on APT and cyber criminal groups. We then use that data to populate our databases with current threat information, which helps support our customers, feature investigations, and analytical research. Great. So on a previous episode of the podcast, we talked about ITG-08, and we touched on the distinction between APTs and criminal threats. So can you briefly recap for us what that difference is and where ITG-16 falls? Um, right. So for quick recap, I think the difference between the two groups can be said between motivations. So whereas APT groups are state sponsors with defined national objectives, criminal groups tend to are, well, generally more or based on illicit financial gains. You know, that's their motivations. And they're very opportunistic. Uh, a good analogy would be uh, for criminal threats would be like a car thief, right, who prowls the streets in search of cars without an alarm. And an APT group will be somebody like a mob hitman, right, who has a very specific target and objective that he or she must accomplish. So that being said, there are certain outliner groups that blends both APT and criminal activity, as in the case of North Korean threat groups, like Robin Bank, for example. And in the case of ITG-16s, um, while the group is a state-sponsored group, I would not be surprised to see this group carrying out those illicit financial activities. So why is this threat group classified as an ITG versus a Hive? And why does that attribution matter? Okay, so you can look at ITGs and Hives as a, an internal classification or a taxonomy tool that helps us and the team stay organized and communicate about the different behaviors and targets that a group might be looking at. We track patterns of unattributed malicious activity in campaigns, which we discover in the wild and classify it as a Hive. Once that activity meets a strict analytical threshold based on a full range of tactics, techniques, and procedures, including infrastructure, malware, tools, targeting, and so forth, we then classify the Hive to an IBM threat group, or ITG-16, and then we attribute that activity to that ITG, at ITGC, excuse me, that ITG. ITG-16 started out as a Hive, and as their campaigns started to increase in 2018, we were able to track them consistently and subsequently reclassify them as an ITG in the middle of 2019. Now, this is important because as we, we get into attribution, which of course we need to first define, is simply put as 
the process of tracking, identifying, and associating malicious activity to a threat actor. And that includes whether they're state-sponsored or not. We look at that activity that we've gathered on the threat and compare it to what we already know about not only that group, but other threat groups to associate that activity to the ABT or criminal threat group in question. Now, why does that matter? Um, attribution is important because it allows us to better understand the threat, which in turn produces better recommendations for defense strategies, whether that be strategic or tactical in nature. It allows us to peek into the future, so to speak, and to assess campaigns that are more likely to occur. This also allows us to shift into a proactive state rather than get caught in a reactive state. So who is ITG-16? Um, so ITG-16 is a North Korean government state-sponsored threat group. Um, it was first reported in 2013, but may have been active since at least 2010. And it overlaps with uh, groups known in the industry as Kim Suki or Thallium or Black Banshee. Um, the group came into prominence around late December 2014, right around the time of the Sony incident when ITG-16 compromised the South Korean nuclear power plant and released tropes of documents and taunted investigators with social media accounts, right? In, a, in a kind of like a similar fashion to what was going on with the Sony at the time. Um, ITG-16 traditionally targets South Korean organizations, including diplomatic and national security personnel, human rights groups, media, utility, think tanks, However, in the last two years, we noticed that the group has expanded the operation to include financial institutions and cryptocurrency exchanges. And we believe the inclusion of these financial targets may be reflecting shifting North Korean government priorities to utilize multiple threat groups to obtain illicit funds because um, there is an, because of the impact from international sanctions, it's really taking a toll on its economy. Can you talk about how the threat group has evolved over time? Yes. If we look at APT groups in general, ITG-16 included, you could say past campaigns were almost belligerent in nature and all over the place, and they were easily identified because of the limited open source intelligence research conducted by these actors. By that, I mean these groups would harvest thousands of email addresses from all over the internet and send out emails with subject matter that had nothing to do with the targeted audience, hoping someone would take the bait. Now, that worked, and to a great extent, but companies' network defensive has stiffened up over the years and employees are being trained on how to spot phishing emails better than they were, say, 10 years ago, which has resulted in APT groups adapting and evolving to craft their campaigns in a more focused and stealthier fashion, which includes targeting smaller groups with content related to that particular target audience. ITG-16 is no different in that respect. For example, the campaign against the South Korean nuclear power plant network, which Josh mentioned earlier, consisted of 6,000 emails. So what is ITG-16's known technique? ITG-16 is known for specializing in targeting, compromise, and theft of highly sensitive information from high-value computer networks. They use several different methods to penetrate a network, which include utilizing stolen credentials that have been harvested through various campaigns or via spear phishing emails. They are very good at conducting open source intelligence research on their targets. They identify individuals employed by the target organization via publicly available information and by social media interaction, and then package an email in a way that gives off credibility to the target. The group has an arsenal of tools at their disposal, including the use of malicious macros and documents, often containing lure content relevant to intended 
phishing victims. Their alert content is usually publicly available information harvested from the internet, but there have been campaigns where they have used non-public documents like private documents that have been compromised from other individuals within the target scope, which undoubtedly, as you can imagine, makes it very difficult to sniff out for unsuspecting individuals. The group has infamously made use of malicious Hangul word processor files in their campaigns, which is a Microsoft equivalent of the Office Word program. But it's widely used in South Korean government agencies and government-related academia and think tanks. Well, you've talked about techniques. Are they associated with any specific tools? Yes. ITD-16 has made a couple tools famous through the years. Um, one is the Kim Jong Rat and the Baby Shark malware. Kim Jong Rat is a credential theft utility which exfiltrates email and web credentials as well as various pieces of system information which are eventually returned to a command and control server. The Kim Jong Rat has been programmed to siphon data from popular web browsers such as like Google, Chrome, Mozilla, Firefox, Internet Explorer, and Yandex browser. This particular malware has the ability to target several web pages and online services such as Facebook, Google, Yahoo, Mozilla, Thunderbird, and Microsoft Outlook. Now, the Baby Shark malware family, which was first seen around 2018, launches from a remote location, and such can be delivered via different attack methods like portable executables or malicious documents. It has the ability to exfiltrate system information to the command and control server. Maintain it maintains its persistence on the system, and then it will wait for further instructions from the operator. Recently. These two pieces of malware have been seen working in conjunction together. Kim Jong Rat seems to be primarily used as a password extraction and information stealer tool, and the Baby Shark malware is responsible for picking up the information stored in the log files and then transmitting it back to the command and control server. Has the Iris team come across ITG sixteen recently? Uh, yeah, we've been we've been monitoring ITG sixteen activities reported by third parties and conducted our own analysis on the tools used as well. Some of the recent activities includes incorporating COVID nineteen related material into phishing campaigns, targeting South Korean individual engaged in international affairs. Um, the the phishing emails would ask the user to enable macro, um, which would execute scripts located at a remote server. The remote script was then designed to gather infected host information, including host computer names, diversions, and network shares. That same COVID-19 related phishing campaign is also seemed to be aiming, aiming at non-Korean speaking users, especially Mac OS users, where ITG-16 actors leverage similar TTPs using Word document with the macro that when enabled will reach out and give additional payload onto the victims. Now, we within IRIS have continually utilized the information we have found to populate our databases with current threat information while monitoring and tracking ITG-16's activities. Although we haven't encountered them during an incident response engagement, we feel that we have developed extensive detection capabilities to isolate their lure documents, malware, and infrastructure, which in turn will help support our customers' future investigations and analytical research. Also, just to note, like last December, Microsoft took action of taking down 50 domains belonging to ITG-16, referred to as Dalian by Microsoft. ITG-16s were using spoofed Microsoft domains as part of their phishing campaign um, designed to steal victim credentials, among other things. And then the targets in that campaign included government employees, think tanks, university staff members, 
members of organizations focused on world peace and human rights and individuals that work on nuclear proliferation issue, according to Microsoft statements. And many of these targets were based in the U.S. as well as Japan and South Korea. So, and these Microsoft findings overlaps with our own anal analysis about ITG-16 campaigns and who they target, and it supports our assessments on the groups from victimology and TTP perspective. So how does this compare to the ways that ITG-16 attacks have been detected in the past? ITG-16 sometimes uses the same infrastructure to carry out campaigns, so researchers are quick to point out when something happens. We usually go out and pull down that malware associated with the campaign, and then we have our reverse engineers analyze the sample and provide a Yara rule, which are ways to identify malware or other files by creating rules that look for certain characteristics within that file or malware. We can then find additional malware based off those rules and discover additional malware and infrastructure that we might not have known about before. Sometimes it, they make it easy for us, like utilizing one IP address to host a couple dozen malicious domains. Um, ITG-16 are also creatures of habit and it shows in their campaigns. They, this allows for researchers to link multiple campaigns together through direct connections and similarities in the campaigns themselves. Are there particular industries likely to be impacted by ITG-16 activity? Um, because North Korean government is undergoing rapid geopolitical situations over its nuclear programs and its economy is continually faltering, North Korean government has no choice but to seek an exit strategy to keep their economy afloat while saving their face in the foreign policy area. So therefore, I, I would not be surprised to see additional ITG-16 campaigns against, you know, industries like governments, universities, academic think tanks, nonprofits, or even financial sectors, because North Korea government has a dual task to keep its economy going while trying to make diplomatic breakthrough via intel, intel gathering. So with that, does IRIS expect to see more of ITG-16? There has been a resurgence of activity from ITG-16 in the past several months after some hiatus. We're not exactly clear what prompted the result, resurgence of activity from this group. However, continued deterioration in the North Korean economy, coupled with fast-changing geopolitical tension in the East Asia, may have likely precipitated urgency to conduct increased operations um, you know, in order to get money and information. Therefore, we do expect to see more of ITG-16 activities in the near future to advance North Korean government interests politically and financially. Even during the news of possible death of North Korean leader, that was like as of April 27th, we have continued to observe malware being developed and possibly by North Korean group. And as it turned out, the leader eventually reemerged, And so we expect ITG-16 activities will likely continue. Yes, I would like to add that we expect ITG-16 to continue their operations, which will likely include the current geopolitical landscape and current event-themed campaigns like the COVID-19 pandemic. ABT groups jump at the chance to take advantage of people's emotions. ABT groups right now have a treasure trove of COVID-19-themed lures to use due to the overall panic, misinformation, fake news, and the uncertainty of the future during these trying times. People really needed to take a step back and pay attention to detail when thinking about opening email attachments or searching for news. Like most APT groups, we expect ITG-16 to adapt and evolve their TTPs in response to our industry proactively hunting and reacting to their campaigns. This conversation that we have today will look completely different if we had it, say, two years from now. Well, based on what Ryan just said, it sounds like there may be a very tiny bright spot. 
Uh, yes, because <laughs> because this is the nation state, they are predictable. Um, and so anything happening in Korean Peninsula, um, looking at the geopolitical landscape, you can be assured certain organizations um, could be a likely target, for example, governments or think tanks or universities. And those organizations could prepare themselves for onslaught of phishing campaigns. So at least some organizations looking at the geopolitical landscape can mitigate the threats going forward. How can an organization contact IRIS if they think they're under attack? Uh, yes, Pam, thank you for asking. If you're an organization and believe you might be under attack, the best thing for you to do is call the IBM X-Force Emergency Response Hotline. And that number is 888-241-9812. Well, thank you both so much for joining us. It's always incredible to learn more about um, the real activity of the threat actors out there in the market. So thank you so much. So Pam, as always, fascinating conversation. What was your biggest takeaway? Really, I think it's down to the idea that, you know, ITG-16 are creatures of habit. So in seeing the same repeated attack patterns over and over, that's what really lets researchers find those similarities in campaigns and and link them back to one threat actor group. So like still bad <laughs> that there's threat actor groups out there, but... Um, the predictability, I think, is is one of those things that helps us as those on the front lines kind of, you know, helping stop those threat actors. And that's it for the episode. Thanks to Ryan Castillo and Joshua Chung for joining us as guests. If you missed it, I definitely recommend you check out our earlier conversation about another APD group, ITG08. We're on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, SoundCloud, and Spotify. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. <laughs>